Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Welcome back to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm Sopic and I'll be your host today. And in honor of Trans Day of Visibility, today's conversation is going to focus on the ongoing fight for trans rights in Texas. Today, I'm joined by Progress Texas Communications Director Wesley Story, as well as our special guests, Audrey Perez from ACLU of Texas and LGBTQ plus policy consultant Ash Hall. Uh, before we get into everything, you know, this is a happy hour. So what is everyone drinking? Uh, I'm just about to finish off the last of my vodka from last night. Um, sometimes you just got to drink in Texas. I'm just like how it is. Uh, Audrey, what are you stepping on? I am uh, drinking my third cup of coffee <laughs> for the day. Mm, wonderful. That's awesome. Um, I'm having Gatorade. I don't really drink, um, but I'm perpetually dehydrated. So Gatorade mm. for me. I love it. And what about you, Wesley? I too am perpetually dehydrated, but I also drink. So that doesn't help the situation at all. I'm drinking a truly right now. It's raspberry lime flavored. I haven't opened it. So little ASMR. Oh, beautiful. You should replace Ed doing that every week. I love <laughs> it. Um, so, so, you know, like I said at the top, today is Trans Day of Visibility. Uh, and Audrey, do you mind talking a little bit about what today signifies? Yeah, well, I mean, Trans Day of Visibility is, comes at the end of uh, Trans Week of Action, Trans Week of Awareness. Um, and so it is just, the day is pretty literal, right? It is a day for trans folks to be visible. And this is so important in a society that is largely cisgender, that is largely heteronormative, for transgender people to be able to have a day to to really highlight that aspect of their identities and how that aspect of this moment is being attacked by politicians all across the United States. Um, so it's a day that I have always found a lot of joy in to celebrate who I am as a transgender person and to raise awareness for transgender people and for transgender issues. I appreciate that you're saying that. Ash, why is this day especially important, like this year? Like what all is going on? What's the context for what's happening in Texas? Yeah, so, I mean, the trans community is under attack like nothing we've ever seen before. Um, this outdoes the year where bathroom bills were taking off. Um, so in Texas in particular, um, Paxton has issued a non-binding opinion and Abbott has agreed through a letter to the Department of Family and Protective Services that parents who allow their children to receive uh, gender-affirming health care are child abusers and should be investigated by the state. Uh, so all that is to say, um, our families have been undergoing a lot of stress and fear um, uh, because they're being openly terrorized by the state. And part of why this is happening is it really is an effort to force the trans community either back into the closet or out of the state completely. The idea is to try to make us not exist, to make us invisible. So participating in the trans day visibility is really a radical act. Um, it always has been, but I think this year in particular, it's, uh, it's more of an effort to fight back um, than what we've seen in previous years. So it's really important. Um, and especially when our kids are very aware that they're under attack, being able to see other trans folks uh, who are at the very least surviving, if not thriving, um, and making a difference in the world is a very important and healthy thing for them to see. 
A thousand percent. And uh, I know in Austin here, we're having uh, like something in honor of Crunch Day Disability on Saturday. A rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I'm hoping to bring my, my 10-month-old there because I think you're right. Like it's something that every Texan should be acknowledging that this is like an, a huge gross injustice and that we need to all stand up against. You know, this is, they're fucking punching down for no reason. Um, and, and Wesley, why do you think they're choosing now to like do all this gross bullshit? Yeah, so this is really the Republican playbook. Um, They tend to manufacture a crisis when they know that they're losing on the issues. So I think it's really interesting and likely not a coincidence that as all of this is happening, all these attacks against trans kids and their families, there are stories coming out about the Republican failure to take care of kids either in the foster care system. There are stories about the teacher shortage happening right now, which is impacts all Texas kids and their education. Our lawmakers can't even keep the lights on and protect our families. And so instead of fixing those issues, they're wasting time attacking kids who are actually being supported by their parents, by their loving families, because they know they're the ones failing the children. Um, And so they're trying to create a problem where none exists. Their policies are unpopular, and this is what they tend to do, especially in a midterm year, when they know that they can rally their more extremist voters around a certain issue. Um, This is all a national strategy on their part. You know, Ash was mentioning how, especially in Texas this year, um, why the issue is so important. But we've seen that anti-LGBTQ bills have been filed across the country, over 200 this year, and more than half of them are targeting trans people. And last year, during Texas's legislative session, we were on the forefront of that. We introduced the most bills targeting transgender youth than any state in the country. Can I just add something to all of this and say mm, that like trying to enforce one way of being is a tool of white supremacy and it is a tool of fascism. And so what this strategy is, is to make people who believe that there is only one way of being, um, believe that that is being attacked just by transgender people existing in this world. But transgender people have always existed in this world. We have always been here. We have not always been visible to others, right? And I think that is what we are seeing an increase of right now. We are seeing an increase of trans visibility in adults. We are especially seeing an increase of trans visibility in children and one that is affirmed and supported by teachers and counselors by every major medical association. And so this is the new aspect that exists right now, right? And this is what makes it feasible for them to, again, bring these different identities under a microscope to attack them, to enforce this one way of being and make people feel as though they are losing their sense or grip on reality. But the reality in actuality, right, is that we have always been here and we will always be here. That's true. We have a very long and proud tradition um, dating back centuries of trans people existing and thriving in this world. Um, I 100% agree that this is a tool of white supremacy. And I think it's worth noting that a lot of the policies that attack trans people actually also have a disproportionate uh, negative effect on black cisgender women. And I don't think that's a coincidence. So that's always something to be mindful of uh, when we're talking about transphobia and transphobic policies. Um, The other thing worth mentioning is that this is part of the Republican playbook um, of getting Texans pitted against each other. It's part of this big vigilante strategy that we've seen around abortion and voting rights. We're now applying it to transgender youth. Um, They want mandatory reporters to uh, report trans families to the state. 
um, even though this is not the law, and even if it was, uh, it would be uh, horrible and uh, unethical. Um, but I think it's just worth noting that this is part of a broader strategy for them to try to keep their hands blood free, even though we know that's not how it works, um, and to get Texans fighting Texans so that they don't, I guess, turn and fight against them. You know, I, when you read a lot of conservative um, coverage of like these bills, they use very, very specific and visceral um, terminology to describe what is happening, which is you know, which is not the majority of what actually occurs. And I'd love to hear, um, you know, what is actually gender affirming care? Like from everything I've understood, it's life-saving healthcare. And I think like Texans need to know what exactly it is because it's not like some scary thing. It's essential, right? It is. Um, it's not really scary at all. Um, right. And I've had to kind of repeat that to multiple uh, conservatives uh, over this year. Um, this is being really overblown and there's really nothing to be scared of. Uh, gender affirming healthcare, um, that looks like therapy where we're not trying to convert the child uh, uh, from being transgender to cisgender because, by the way, that's a deadly practice and should be banned. Um, it looks like uh, long conversations with doctors about the future and what uh, treatment could look like. That could be puberty blockers. Um, the effects of which are reversible. Um, and all it does is delay the onset of puberty and it gives uh, trans kids time to make absolutely sure this is what they want for their bodies. Um, and it also makes uh, transition easier if they decide to take hormones down the line. It's, a much, it's much easier to change a body uh, that has not gone through puberty yet versus uh, one that has already started that process. Um, and then later down the line, that can look like hormones. Um, basically, it, it's nothing like what Republicans are describing. Um, the whole thing is kid-focused and kid-led with a strong support of doctors and their families. Um, basically, uh, whatever the healthcare system can provide. So it's safe. Um, it can stop at any point if the kid decides... Um, they need to think this through more. Um, and no one's forcing anyone to do anything. The whole idea is to help the child feel happy and to become the person they were meant to be. I mean, that every person and every kid, every teen, every adolescent, every transgender youth, whatever word you choose to use, right? Every person that undergoes this process undergoes uh, it themselves in a highly individualized way. And so it is a decision that they make with their parents, with their doctors, and it looks different for every person. Um, and the medicine has been ever evolving since I first started transitioning seven years, seven, eight years ago. Now I forget how long I've been trans. I like, I've just been trans for a very long time now. Um, and these like treatments and these kids, um, sometimes these teens, everybody does it a different way. And there is an option for, for each and every one of them to transition in a way that feels right for them. And so this care is really just about being like patient, -cent like approaching it in a patient-centered way, listening to somebody say who they are, who they want to be and helping them get there. And like, that is just such a simple way to, to center a patient in this, right? And like when you are providing life-saving care that is age appropriate for everybody, transitioning, as Ash mentioned, for children is oftentimes just kids going by a different name, kids wearing different clothes. 
And that is something truly that we should be doing with all of our kids, whether they are trans or not, right, is teaching them how to assert themselves with confidence for who they are, teaching them to wear clothes that feel right for them, regardless of the gender of them, because gender is just a social construct and we should all be allowed to wear whatever we want to wear um, from a very early age. And so this is what this looks like for, for transgender kids for the most part. And then once like puberty starts being a thing in their lives, puberty blockers might be used. But here's the thing, puberty blockers are used on cisgender kids all the time because there is such a thing called precocious puberty and sometimes kids start puberty too young and this happens very often. And so these are medical treatments that have been used for centru- for decades on cisgender kids. And when it comes to hormone replacement therapy, I bet you that half of the Texas legislature is on hormone replacement therapy for testosterone. And it is the decades of science that have gone into that that have helped us know how to help teens and transgender people with gender dysphoria in hormone replacement therapy. You know, I think it's so interesting that when both of you explain it like that, it sounds so simple and it makes sense. And I think the problem is that people are not looking for that information and Republicans know that, Ken Paxton, Greg Abbott know that, they know that there's a ton of misinformation, disinformation around there when it comes to gender affirming care. And so they're capitalizing on that. Um, But the fact is that every major credible medical organization has said that affirming care for trans folks and non-binary folks is the best medical practice. They recognize that sexual orientation, gender identity are real concepts, every major medical association. And any time that Republicans reference some random association that they're saying is against it, it's a conservative-led group. It's not actually a real medical organ. So we need to be really, um, we need to fact check and we also need to make sure that we're targeting this disinformation when we see it online. Um, And I think that's one of the actions that we're calling on folks to take is to be vocal in their support of trans kids, but also to educate yourself so that you can educate those around you about these issues. Because it is that, uncertainty and misunderstanding that leads to people having fear about an issue that when you hear it described right now in this way shouldn't scare anyone it just makes sense hey guys progress texas content production specialist chris Mosier here we hope you're enjoying the podcast quick interruption to let you know that progress texas is hitting the road this spring and summer and we'd love to get a chance to meet you face to face and learn more about your corner of Texas and what's happening there to push progress forward. We have several live podcast tapings in the works, including a return to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. But wherever you're listening in Texas, we'd love to visit your neck of the woods. So please do reach out to me at chris at progresstexas.org. That's chris at progresstexas.org. Or hit us up on any of our social media channels. And let's talk about planning a visit. More on upcoming live events coming soon. We'd love to see you. Thanks for your support. So Audrey and Ash, you don't have to answer this next question if you don't feel like you want to, because I I don't want to put the responsibility on you of like educating everyone. I can only speak from my experience as a, a different kind of minority who was able to use my experience to explain white supremacy as like, what did it feel like to be a, a, a little brown kid during 9-11 to experience what that was? And eventually what happened once I was able to accept myself for who I was fully in college. It's great that we can talk about science and one's affirming cares, but the most important thing I think people should understand is like, what is it actually like to get on the other side of this transition? Like from, if you don't, if you don't mind me asking, from the 
struggles you experienced before transition to where you are today, like, is it freeing for you? Like, how, how did it change? Are you able to be more yourself, I guess, is what I'm asking, which I think what people need to understand is that, like, what this care is doing is, like, helping you be you, if I understand it correctly. Yeah, no, I don't know if Ash wants to go first or if, it, you if they're okay go with ahead. me going first. Yeah. I, I describe this, and I've talked about this a lot in, in the past month, probably more so than ever, right? And I do, you're right. I do think that stories are the best way to be able to connect with another person because I know that when I extend that vulnerability from my heart to another person, most of the time they're able to see it and reciprocate in a way that, that is honest and at least allows themselves to be able to admit the gaps that they have in their own understanding, along with a desire to learn more and do better. Um, and even if they're not there yet, right? Me being vulnerable allows them to also sometimes be vulnerable in that same way that can be scary for folks. And so, I mean, I, I share the story a lot, right? I knew I was transgender when I was a little kid. I just didn't have the words to, to describe that to my parents. And I certainly didn't have the words to describe it in Spanish as a first generation immigrant to them. Um, at most, my understanding of gender was formed by, by schools in the United States. But I knew that I was I was different in this way. And for the next 13 years, I didn't come out because I knew that being an LGBTQ person, specifically a trans person in the United States was not something that was easy. I especially knew that it was not something that was easy in Mexico, which is where the country that we came from. And so I understanding that I, I stayed in the closet for a long time. And even then, once I came out for two years, I wasn't able to find a medical provider in El Paso that knew how to provide gender affirming care for transgender people. And for those two years, when I had finally <laughs> built up the courage to come out as trans and assert that for myself w without being able to access this life-saving medical care, it was absolutely brutal. Um, it felt like I, I was so close, so close to being the person that I knew I always was. And there were all of these systemic barriers that kept falling into place to keep me from doing that. And it wasn't because this care didn't exist. It wasn't because this wasn't best practice medical care. There's nothing wrong. It wasn't because there was something wrong with me, right? It was just because there was this lack of infrastructure that was developed in my region because nobody had thought to do that in the past because of the lack of visibility in our community. And so what I did to access gender-affirming care is fly all the way to New York to go to a free clinic wow. in Bronx run by a trans woman of color because trans women of color have been saving uh, not only trans people, but the LGBTQ community since the very beginning of time. And that is how I was able to access care through a free clinic program run by a black trans woman in New York City. Um, I just had to go to three appointments and it was completely free to me except for paying for the medication. And it was um, probably the best day of my life. <laughs> I was, it was just like the release of 13, what was that at that point? like. 15 years of uh, these like feelings of not having an answer or a, a word for who I wanted to become were finally, finally felt resolved in that moment. And I have to say, ever since that moment, I think my gender journey has been a constantly evolving one. I, I felt like I arrived that day, but ever since that day, I have just transformed and evolved even more because the reality is that we are all on our own journey to self-actualization every minute of every day. And to make it this like highly scrutinized thing for transgender people as though we are not all doing this is absolutely absurd. But what I think we can learn, right, from transgender people is this like self, um, this uh, self-awareness fundamentally, right? A self-awareness and a courage and a bravery and a light and a persistence 
to assert yourself in this world even when it is trying to beat you down. Beautifully put. And I think uh, there's also a matter of self-love to take away from our community as well because it does take a pretty high level of self-love or at least high regard, right? To decide that you're going to buck against society and uh, tradition and what other people might think is best for you and make the best choices for yourself, uh, no matter how hard it is to access the healthcare involved, no matter how many hoops there are to jump through. And so I think there's a lot folks can learn from us about making the best decision for yourself, no matter what anyone else says and no matter what obstacles are in your way. Um, Cause that is a matter of self-love. And honestly, I think our opponents are really threatened by that. I don't think they love themselves, and I think that's part of why they attack other people so much. And so, I don't know, something that I think about a lot, I think there's just so much the community can learn from trans folks, especially trans kids, about, yeah, about self-love and respect and bodily autonomy and being exactly who you are. My gender journey is still ongoing. Um, I suspect it will be for some time, but I will say that prior to really owning my gender identity and starting on that journey, um, I felt very aimless and lost and like I didn't fully know who I was. Um, and I hated that feeling. It made it harder to fully connect with other people. Um, I felt like I didn't have a good relationship with myself or with my body or with my mind. Um, and honestly, once I finally found words for who and what I was, um, and finally had the opportunity to start transitioning, um, it felt like I really came into my own. I found my voice, um, which has been a very effective tool now for over 10 years. Um, I found my community. Uh, I learned more about, I guess, how loving yourself and relating to yourself makes it easier to be with other people and relate to other people. Yeah, just there's so many bright spots that come with finally owning who you are and being open about that and then making sure you're surrounded by supportive people. Um, Transition is awesome. Um, Being trans is awesome. I feel like I want more people to understand that um, because we hear a lot about the rates of depression and anxiety in our community. That's all about discrimination. Um, Mm -hmm. That is not about being trans. Being trans is rad. Um, And I I think most of the community would agree. It's it's pretty awesome. I love being trans. Um, I love being trans too. I just want to add that. I have a... (laughs) It's wonderful to exist outside of a gender binary and constantly be and constantly know that you exist within that and like resist against these systems as an embodiment of a resistance against white supremacy i i think trans people are magical i think they are i engage maybe in a form of trans supremacy in that way right (laughs) because i do think that trans people have put so much work into like accepting who we are and loving ourselves in this world and that is rare and i know that you both know that is rare to find in in anyone right Mm -hmm. but in our community we have all done that and that is it 
and to exist within that community, to be surrounded by trans people and know that you have all undergone this process and you might be in different points in your journeys, but you share that common thread, it is it is liberating. Like it is actually liberating to be in trans majority spaces because of this. And it is healing and it is healing generations of, of trauma, I think, that we carry from our ancestors. And I come from an indigenous background where trans people are held as like holy revered beings and medicine masters. So like that is my background. And I see all of this as just a, as a true perpetuation of white supremacy. Um, but yeah, I think trans people are wonderful. And if you don't have a trans person in your life to anybody listening this, please like try to be in community with trans people. If you don't know where to start, there are documentaries on Netflix so you can learn something to talk about and relate to, right? One of the very good ones is Disclosure on Netflix that covers years of media representation of trans people and how um, trans people have been have been poorly represented in the media as deceptive, or mm. which is the complete opposite of what we really are, right? Like, isn't that hilarious? Isn't that the complete opposite of everything we've just been talking about here? But that media representation has been harmful and has fed into this culture and this narrative that we're seeing right now in attacks against our community because it's been acceptable to just portray trans people as a, as a caricature, as a misrepresentation, as something other than what they truly are. You know, something that both of you kind of talked about in your stories is the importance of that support system. And Audrey, you had to go all the way to New York to get that as you talked about finding your community. And I think that's something that all queer folks can relate to. We often have to build our families and our communities for ourselves. Um, and I think it's interesting because something that gives me hope when I go to these protests that are happening across the state is all of the parents and the families that I see supporting their trans kids. That is not something that you would have seen decades, years ago, whenever this um, people weren't as aware of all of these issues that folks were facing. Um, and it's just by talking about it, by people being open to learning more, that's encouraged folks to actually have a voice and also for parents to take part in this important piece of their children's lives. Um, and I think that that's also what's scaring the Republicans. And that's why they aren't just targeting trans kids. They aren't just targeting trans Texans. They're trying to target their families and their support systems because they know that those are the folks that they turn to and those are the folks that are supporting them. But like you have both said, that's not going to stop anyone from being trans. Trans people have always existed and they're going to continue to exist. You can attack them. You can attack their support systems. But you're, we're still going to find a way to be who we need to be because ultimately all people deserve to be who they are. You know, Audrey and Ash, as you talk about what it, what the experience of being trans is like, it sounds like the most fucking texting thing to be, right? Like, I'm going <laughs> to be that. whoever I want to be. Like, fuck you. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. independent and like no big body. The establishment can tell me who the fuck I am. And it's like, Ash, as you, as you took over after Audrey finished, I was like, this sounds like Texas. Like, yeah. And that's what they're afraid of. That like, y'all are actually fucking Texan. And they're just a we bunch are. of like, who knows what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're like hardcore Texans. <laughs> they're um, like the most hardcore Texans. Yeah. And actually what I really love about the conversations that I have with cis people around being trans and discussing what that's been like is I often find there are threads of commonality um, where folks have felt confined by gender roles. Um 
and whether uh, they experienced bullying over that or not. But then also uh, they walk away with a sense of inspiration um, that they can try again or that they can keep being themselves or they can buck off um, some kind of uh, gender role that hasn't been serving them. Uh, and so, yeah, I think uh, the other thing about being trans is that that Texanness to it, um, that <laughs> fierce sense of self, the idea that we should advocate for ourselves and be our full selves is contagious because it's liberating. Yeah. And that is absolutely threatening to an institution that thrives on really strict roles um, and staying trapped in a time period that we're not living in anymore. And so, yeah, I am not surprised we're under attack, but I hope that um, most people recognize that we have a powerful uh, helper role in a lot of ways to play um, in helping people be their full selves and that they will stand on our side. And fortunately, like that is a lot of what I've been seeing. There are folks who've never um, had anything to say about trans people before. We're only loosely aware that we existed who are coming forward and saying, like, this is just wrong. I mean, like this is an oversight by the state. Um, this is a government intervention um, that is, I mean, it's it's big government and like the truly bad right. sense and that people should just be allowed to be themselves and like families should be the ones figuring this out and not politicians. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and on that note, you know, we've talked a lot about the work that y'all have done on yourselves and as professionals, but like, what about everyone else? Like what can everyone else do to support uh, as you, you know, your community experiences like gross attack from so many governments across the country? There are so many things that you can do to support yeah. these attacks on the transgender community. Um, the first that I think is really good is you can engage with um, the political system at every level that you exist within it. Um, that includes right now in this moment, paying attention to your city council elections, paying attention to your school board elections, especially because our opposition has weaponized school boards against the LGBTQ community to erase LGBTQ histories from libraries from the classrooms and to take books off of the shelves. So school board elections are especially important in one way right now, paying attention to your House of Representatives uh, elected officials for the Texas State House, paying attention to the Texas Senate, even though that one is much harder to flip. These maps have been uh, gerrymandered in the last year to create a majority Republican uh, a majority Republican Texas House. And so this next legislative session is going to be really difficult um, for anti-LGBTQ bills, especially after the Texas legislature already banned abortion or functionally banned abortion, right? Usually what happens um, after they come for reproductive rights is that they come up for the LGBTQ community. And this next year, we're going to be facing a legislative session where they've already... They've already done everything that they can do on abortion, though I don't doubt that they will try to do more. And so this is, makes me especially worried for what it's going to look like for LGBTQ rights in this upcoming session. So paying attention to those House and Senate elections is super important. But the reality is that we have the greatest chance of protecting all of our rights right now through the statewide races. And that includes the statewide race for governor and the statewide race for the attorney general because those are not so gerrymandered. Um, they are just going to pass voting restrictions to make it harder for us to flip <laughs> the state. But because the, these are statewide elections, um, we have, I, I do believe that we have the highest chance at protecting our communities by trying to change who our governor is and who our attorney general is, as well as the other uh, 
the other statewide elections I don't know nearly as much about. Um, but I'm sure that we have great candidates running in those as well. I'll plug it because it sounds like Audrey doesn't want to, but we should also be donating to orgs who are on the ground in Texas doing this work. So orgs like the ACLU of Texas and Lambda Legal who have both sued to protect trans kids, protect their families, and who also provide free lawyers to parents who are going through all of these issues. Also donate to orgs like Equality Texas and the Transgender Education Network of Texas. These are orgs on the ground doing this work Um, And they are the ones at the Capitol organizing these rallies, organizing these protests, who have um, direct conversations with our representatives who fight during the legislative session and outside of the legislative session to stop um, these bad bills from passing and also these bad policies from moving forward. I will always plug donations to organizations. (laughs) I was just trying to give time for somebody else to talk after getting on my soapbox about voting. (laughs) So listen... But beyond that, you should also donate to the Transgender Education Network of Texas, which is one of the very few trans-led organizations in the state of Texas doing this work. And having transgender people like myself and Ash and the Transgender Education Network of Texas is super important to this fight. Uh, First of all, because we are magic. Second of all, because we have the lived experience and background that makes us experts in knowing what is right for our communities and in at least having those community connections to be able to bring everybody to the table to to ask folks how we're feeling, um, to ask to ask the community for what it's needing. I mean, in this moment, and to meet the moment with with the appropriate care and attention that that it deserves. Right. I think a lot of this work that we do in nonprofits doesn't always um, give the issues the attention and the care. Um, that they deserve and the reality that we are dealing with human lives right now and we need to get this right. And if we don't bring the most impacted people um, from this issue to the decision-making table, we're not going to get it right. And we absolutely have to because there are people right now in the state of Texas that are dying because of this. There are people that are leaving. There are kids that are taking their own lives and it is... I always stutter when I start saying that, and I always think I'm going to make it to the end of that sentence, but I, I want you to also like hear the severity of that, right? Um, I am moving from a deep place of like grief and healing through what the last five weeks have meant for myself as a trans person, and what it has meant to work through this moment, uh, as hard as we all have, um, but I... I am asking you to center trans people right now in this work and to treat it with the due diligence that it deserves because we we need to get it right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's been that's been heavy. Um, I've been sitting with that, too. And the fact that, like, we have fought so hard for so long and our opponents keep trying to bend rules and the result is a loss of human life. And so, yeah, part of supporting us also means checking in on us, um, seeing how we're doing, maybe offering us a cup of coffee or uh, lunch. Um, I know a lot of people are inviting me over to speaking engagements. They're not exactly offering to pay for that uh, the education that they want. And so when you're bringing in trans people, educate you, be ready to support them somehow. Financially would be ideal, but if not that, like, take them out to lunch afterwards, you know, because our community is amazing and resilient. And like, that's part of our tradition. But I think it's okay to say right now, like, we're not really okay, because we are under attack. And that's a really stressful place to be. 
a lot of us are considering whether or not we're going to move. Um, our most vulnerable people are wondering if it's worth it to stay with us, which um, if anyone like that is listening right now, I do want to say it is worth it to stay with us. Um, you are loved. You are valuable. You are magical. I want you here with us. We all do. But I think we have to own that like we're not really okay right now. And there is a greater role that cis people can play as allies uh, and just stepping up and taking care of us a little bit this time. Because um, we love the role we get to play with liberating folks of gender roles and really being the role models for self-love. But we need a little TLC right now um, as a community. And so, yes, please donate. Uh, when the hearings start up inevitably at the Capitol next year, please show up and fight back with us. Um, and in the meantime, like, come to the protests, check on us. If you if you have money to spare, um, yeah, put that forward. If you are the kind of person that likes to bring people coffee or hot chocolate or whatever it may be, like, be that person. There's always something that you can do that's going to be helpful to a trans person. Um, you can even just be the person that listens, right? So there's also that emotional support role that folks can play if they don't have a whole ton of resources at their disposal. So I just wanted to plug that real quick. Are you leaving Texas? I am not. Okay, I'm not either. I just wanna, I just want everyone here to be clear that we're staying. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're staying. Um, I have a lot of friends who are considering leaving. Um, and I will say like my own mom is weighing whether or not she wants to stay here. And I know that her wish is that if she and my brother, who is also transgender, do decide to move out of state, she really wants me to come with because she feels that I would be in even more danger far away from her. And that's like a very heavy thing to sit with. And I just want to plug, I'm 30 years old and like sitting with that kind of guilt and uh, grief and concern. There are kids who are as young as like five or six who are sitting in a similar boat to me. And like, that's not okay. Like that's not where we should be placing kids right now in this horrible place of feeling like it's gonna be their fault if their families move and what happens um, if they don't wanna move but their families do. Like there's just, there's so much there. Um, so no, we're not leaving. Um, I have to keep having conversations with my family about that, but I, I'm not going anywhere. This is my home. This is where my community is. Um, there are just way too many people that I want to keep fighting for to, to ever want to leave. I mean, I came to this state from another country, right? <laughs> I yeah. Chose, I chose to live here. <laughs> we chose exactly. to live here. Uh, because we thought that Texas was a great, big, beautiful state. And in El Paso, we were able to exist and thrive without learning English necessarily, but we were still able to be part of a beautiful and vibrant community and give back to that community in very meaningful ways and build lives there, right? Complete, whole, full, new lives in that city. Um, and so I chose to live here and I am, and my family moved here for the very specific purpose um, so that I could be who I wanted to be, anything that I wanted to be. And what I understand is that the state is trying to make it hard for me to be trans. It's trying to make it hard for other people to be trans like me. Um, but I think that is a part of what my family's dream was in coming here. And so I am very committed into ensuring that that is a reality for, for myself, uh, but also for everybody else in the state, just like me. 
I'm glad I've been here for 29 years and glad to keep fighting for this state. I, we, <laughs> so welcome. Trans people are chaos. Uh, we don't ever like necessarily work in a linear way, but before this like wraps up, I do want to plug that Black Trans, uh, Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, Black Trans Women's Inc. Um, because those are two organizations organizations in Texas that do incredible work to support our black uh, trans brothers and sisters and gender diverse folks. <laughs> and they often do not get mentioned and often get left out of the conversation. So it's important to uplift those amongst us that do not get those accolades and that deserve just as much recognition. And um, them too are certainly two of them, but we have a full list of organizations in Texas that you can support on txtranskids.org. Uh, you can search by a statewide organization or search uh, through the major Texas cities across the state to find your local LGBTQ resource center or group. A lot of those groups run support groups for, for youth, for teens, for parents who are going through this process for the families that need support too in learning how to talk about and support their transgender loved ones. Um, and those support groups have been truly transformative places for me to be a part of and, and help other people, other people on their journeys, at least back home in El Paso when I would join those. Um, and I firmly believe in the necessity of those resources for our community and for all of the allies. I don't think that um, I can wrap up any better than the two of you just did, so I'm not going to try to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to make sure that we get these links y'all are talking about into the show notes because I think we need to keep the magic alive in Texas and across the rest of the country. Uh, and that's one way that we can help do that. Ash, Audrey, Wesley, like, thank you so much uh, for joining us on this show. This is actually my second to last show, and I'm so glad that I got to do it with the three of you. And uh, this was just really magical. And uh, for those listening... Uh, thanks for joining us as well. And uh, head over to our website, www.progresstexas.org, to follow us on social media and subscribe to our email list to hear more amazing conversations like these and to learn how you can better support the trans community in the days to come. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.